wolves. It's been a long time since I've heard good preaching on that. Was it Milford Biddle preached on them wolves? I, I can't remember. Boy's famous. Some one of them. It's been a long time since I've heard that. Somebody bring that. And I was thinking as he was preaching, one thing about them wolves is they'll wait to really get you tired. You ever watch them things? I mean, I know none of you good Baptists got TVs in here, but if you had, were sat at somebody else's house and somebody else had a TV on and you happen to see something like that, is that more acceptable to say, okay, okay? And uh, so uh, I make sure the roof ain't caving in on some of you. Lie. But uh, no, and you ever seen uh, uh, the way them animals attack and they go, you know, and they're, what they're trying to do is isolate somebody out. And we know, stay with the flock. Don't get isolated out. But one thing they'll do, them wolves, is they'll wear you down. They'll, when they're attacking, they just wait for you to get tired. You might outrun them for a while, but they're going to try to wear you down until you just get tired and you just give up. And um, there's no room to quit in this fight. Wolves or no wolves. And uh, Paul was leaving them in good hands. I commend you to God and the word of his grace. Hallelujah. We're safe tonight. But we are not ignorant of his devices, and so appreciate the good preaching uh, warning us about the grievous wolves that have entered in. And uh, so we need to be careful about that. But that goes a little bit to what I was thinking, uh, what the Lord's put on my heart tonight in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you'll turn with us to chapter number 4, and 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And thinking a lot has been on my heart, and it's not gotten really off of me since I first time I preached it. It stayed in my heart, this part of this message, because I feel like the Lord's been speaking to me from it. So you pray, God, to help me be a blessing to you tonight. Because that's what I want to be. I just want to be a blessing to you and a help. I appreciate your pastor getting to meet him. And, and your meetings here have inspired us to have meeting down at Tabernacle. And boy, it's really helped our young people. And it's helped me. Uh, I get help from it. And uh, so uh, I appreciate the uh, faithfulness church and getting to meet you all, spend a little time with you, and for your pastor's grace. He is a gracious man, and uh, you're, you're lucky to have a man that's real and genuine. That's getting rare to find, isn't it? Somebody's genuine. Let's not go there, okay? Let's just let's stay, stay on target here. Second Corinthians chapter number four, if I could encourage you some tonight, what the Lord's put on my heart about this same uh, idea here uh, about fainting. The first verse that we're going to look at, Second Corinthians chapter number four, and then I'll try to get right into the message. Uh, I've seen, like the preacher said, I've not been in this thing very long. I've not been pastoring very long. I've uh, been saved about 14 years now, and uh, so not been saved even very long, as some of you have, and, but I've seen a lot of people, a lot better people than me, fall, faint. And, uh, and this being a youth meeting, I want to try to encourage you young people, if I can, uh, from this uh, same verse the Lord's helped me from, uh, we don't need you to faint either. And I've seen a lot of young people walk off on God and quit God, quit God's church 
and uh, a lot of young people do that, and for various reasons, we might get to see a little bit tonight if I'll hurry, because uh, I just got three hours, so I got to hurry. And uh, so uh, we need to continue to be faithful in the Lord's business, and that's what the Lord's put on my heart tonight. It breaks my heart to see people uh, raised in a good Christian home in Bible-believing churches and quit God. I was not given that luxury. Uh, I don't know anything about that. I'm not saying it can't be difficult uh, to be raised like that. I know there's difficulties that you might face that way, but I was not raised in an environment like that. And so it's hard for me uh, to have quite uh, the understanding. Maybe someone else does that's been raised in a home that way. Uh, but the, the truth is still the truth, and the Lord gives us no place to quit. And young people, there's no place for you to quit either. You cannot quit. You can't think. And uh, so there's various reasons that some do, uh, do that. Can I bend this thing out of the way? Does that bother you? Okay. I don't want to do I do that at my church. That'll keep all the spit off of it too. Keep you safe uh, from the COVID and everything else. So uh, we got to lighten the mood. Does anybody know any good jokes I could tell? I don't know any good jokes here. Uh, but um, uh, so anyway, now let's, let's read, uh, if you want to stand, I don't know what the custom here, if you want to stand with us, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, just read the first verse there. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, not encourage yourself and, and force yourself to be involved in the ministry. That's not what it said. It said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we faint not. And you can be seated. And so I just want to preach this verse here mainly and maybe a couple more verses uh, in the next three hours and then we'll let you eat. And uh, so we will uh, just kind of set the setting here, if I could, of what I believe is being said here. There's a lot of verses that talk to, that talks about Fainting, You know, I had fainted unless I had purpose in my heart uh, to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Uh, unless you grow weary and faint in your mind. And there's various verses talk about fainting. But generally speaking, when I see the word fainting and I see what the, the word of God is encouraging me not to faint, I usually think of that selfishly. I usually think when I think about not fainting, I usually think, well... Uh, uh, you know, if I faint, then I'm going to fail God or uh, miss out on rewards. I don't know about you, but I want abundant entrance and minister unto me the coming of the kingdom. I want to be uh, involved in this matter of rewards in heaven. I don't want to stand before Jesus who bled and died for me in ashes having my works burned up. I don't know about you. Uh, but uh, so anyhow, I usually think selfishly when I think about this matter of not fainting. But here, that's not what's being said. Uh, that's not the idea behind not fainting here in this first verse. Uh, the idea that is being spoken of here about not fainting has to do with the ministry. Not giving up in the ministry. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. Well, uh, not just preachers are involved in the ministry. Uh, you know, uh, he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's to everybody, right? That's complete, as Brother Blue would say, total involvement. Everybody is to be involved in the work of missions, in the ministry. 
and the work of the ministry. So none of us can faint when it comes to this matter of the ministry. And I believe what's being dealt with here is getting out the gospel. Don't faint, don't quit getting out the gospel. And, uh, and I'll give you some reasons why, but I, I want to just set the table here if we could and look just in quickly in chapter number three. And uh, you all use NIV here. Is it still it's King James, isn't it? Okay, King James. And, uh, and so in chapter number three, everybody okay? Okay. I don't use an NIV. Calm down. Uh, but uh, chapter number three. So uh, in chapter number three, we see, uh, just to get the setting down here of what's being said and what Paul is trying to get over to you and I, uh, young people uh, and older folks alike, uh, what is the, the context of what's being said here? If you go back and read, and we won't read it, uh, but if you go back and read in chapter number three, we won't read all of it, uh, but uh, we see him laying out the table uh, and setting this matter of not feigning and talking about the ministry. He starts out talking about, in chapter number three now, about the letter that killeth. See verse number six. But the Spirit giveth life. And verse number seven, the ministration of death. Everybody knows what that is? That's the law. For the law killeth. What I, what I or found that was ordained to lie, I didn't find that to be that, right? Sin revived and I died, right? Sin was in the world before the law. The law wasn't given to make you righteous. It was to show you you were unrighteous, right? Sin was in the world before the law was, right? Even then, they didn't sin at the similitude of Adam's transgression, right? What happened to all of them? They all died. Why? Because they were all guilty sinners. Guilty sinners die, right? And so you were guilty before the law, but the law came to awaken you to the reality of your lostness, your deadness. And, uh, and uh, sin revived and I died. And so I found out just how sorry, like the songwriter said, I'm glad I got lost, that I could be saved. And uh, so that was the purpose of the law. And he's talking about Moses going and get uh, the Ten Commandments from God. And he goes up on the mountain and, uh, uh, and gets the uh, uh, ministration of what the Bible talks about here, the ministration of death. And uh, uh, Moses comes down, you remember back in Exodus chapter number uh, 34, uh, 33, in that area uh, there where Moses is talking with God and interceding behalf uh, of the people. And God gives him the Ten Commandments. And he comes down off the mountain uh, with the tablets of stone. And before he does that, he said, if I found grace in your sight, God, show me your glory. Remember him saying that? And so he prayed and he asked God, said, God, show me thy glory. And uh, God told him, said, no man can see me and live, right? For God dwells in a light which no man can approach unto. No man, I don't care what little 10-year-old boy wrote a book and sold it on Amazon. He didn't half die and go to heaven. That did not happen. And he didn't see God and see Jesus separately. That didn't happen. I don't know what kind of drugs they had him on in the hospital, but it was the dope, it wasn't Jesus, right? Is that okay to say here? Can I say dope? Okay. And so, heaven is real. Heaven's real because Jesus died and rose from the dead. And, uh, and this book says it's real. But anyway, let's move on here. Uh, but Moses comes down the mountain and uh, he comes down from meeting with God and God declares before him, I'm a God that's full of goodness. 
I'm full of long suffering. I'm full of mercy. I'm going to save people from their sins and their iniquities. Will I remember against him no more? And all the things that he declares himself as he hides Moses with his hand in the cleft of the rock, he passes Moses by and he said, I'll let you see my hinder parts. You remember that? And Moses was allowed to see that part of God, but he did not steadfastly look upon the image of God, right? What did Moses see then? As Moses was being held uh, back from seeing God fully, where was he? He was in a shadow, right? Made by the hand of God in the cleft of the rock. Now, I'm, I'm trying to move quickly here and keep myself under control here. Uh, and... Uh, uh, I'm not very dignified, but I try to pretend I am. And uh, I don't want to, like Dr. Sattler said, preach like a novice. Uh, but uh, I get wound up and excited about Jesus. And if that makes me a novice, then I'd rather just preach like a novice. And uh, I get excited thinking about Jesus. Young people, you get excited thinking about Jesus. I hope you do. I remember like the preacher said, I remember being in church when we, uh, I went to church one time, I remember this little old lady sitting on the front row, raised her hand. Boy, it made me so mad. Well, what in the world she thinks she is? Trying to get attention to herself. That's what she's doing. God saved me and I said, woo, hallelujah. Put that lady to shame shouting so much. <laughs> well, God put some worship in my soul and put it, all right, now let's think about this. So Moses comes and, and uh, his face is shining, right? And uh, uh, he comes down before the people. And what has to happen because his face did show? He has to put a veil over his face. Is that right? So Moses, the glory that Moses saw, and Moses is identified with the law. For the law came by Moses, right? And so Moses saw what Hebrews 10 calls the shadow of good things to come. So Moses looks upon the shadow and, his, and, and, and the people, he comes down off the mountain and the people see him and his face is shining and it's a glory, a glory that diminishes, but it is a glory. And so this glory fades away, but he puts a veil over his face and the people could not steadfastly look to the end of what the, of the, what the law is, what it's saying, what is now abolished. And so they couldn't see, there's a veil, and they would not allow them to see what the end of the law was. And so, but there was a glory attached to it. This is what, this is what chapter 3 is talking about. How much more glorious then shall the ministration of life be? <laughs> to watch some of our lives, it don't look too glorious, does it? <laughs> if the world, if we were the only witness the world could see, I doubt they'd say it's glorious. God help us. I doubt that if they, if they were watching you, would they say, boy, that's a glorious gospel. God help us. When they watch you, I'm not talking about when they see you in here. So a lot of you young people, you know exactly how to act in here. You know what to say. You know who to say it to and who not to say it to. You know how to carry on, right? But I'm saying when you get out there where it really matters, with, with somebody watching your life be able to say, that's got to be a glorious gospel. If what Moses looked on was only a shadow of good things to come, and the Bible said it was glorious, so glorious, that he saw a shadow that caused his face to shine, how much more glorious is the gospel of Christ? That's what he's saying. So he's saying, if this... Ministration of death had glory attached to it, which it did. How much more 
shall the gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. That's what the Bible said. Christ is the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of the person of God. Is that what the Bible said? And so if, if Christ, who is the very image of God, you and I have now seen him by faith. Right? How much more glorious is that gospel? That's what he's saying in the chapter. And he comes on down through there. Uh, uh, that which was done away in verse number 11. Seeing then that we have such hope. So what did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Everything that God is, I am. Are they, right? Are they not? Is he co-equal? Co-eternal? Was Jesus God? Sure he was. And so he said it, I don't know how many times he declared himself to be God. And so if he is the brightness of his glory, the special of his person, this, this is what Hebrews also tells us, uh, that uh, for the, uh, the Lord spoke to us in days gone by uh, through the prophets, right? Has in these last days spoken unto us by his dear son. So how much more glorious... If it was a glory to Moses and to the people to see a shadow, how much more glorious is it for you and I to lay our eyes upon the very image of God? Now, what did John say? We beheld his full of grace and truth. He said, when I saw Jesus, you know what made him so glorious? He was full of grace and full of truth. That's what I saw about Jesus, which lines up with Exodus. When he passes by Moses, God says about himself, I'm long-suffering, gentle, and good, and merciful. Keeping mercy for thousands. (laughs) Amen. And so, when we get down through here, he's telling us, in verse 13, not as Moses put a veil over his face. So the children of Israel couldn't look steadfastly at the end of that, which is abolished. Aren't you glad that's abolished? It's never been by works. Old Testament or new, no man's ever been saved by works. And it won't be in the revelation. It won't be by works. Man has and always will be saved by grace through faith in the propitiation of Christ Jesus when he offered himself without spot to God through the eternal spirit. Hallelujah. It's never been by works. I don't know who brought that up. Somebody said, well, it was, it was grace plus works back then. I don't know where that come from, but that's not true. If any of us are saved, it's by the grace of God. So he talks about the law and how it was going to be abolished, and it is abolished. Thank the Lord uh, for that ministration. Uh, we're now in the dispensation of the grace of God. And if any man's saved... He's saved by faith in Christ and repentance in faith. Does repentance bother anybody here? I hope not. Jesus liked the word, didn't he? I believe like Billy Mitchell, if you got a problem with repentance, I got a problem with your salvation. Maybe because you never repented. I got to be more gentle than that. Now, don't encourage that. All right, so let's move on now. So, okay, said verse number 16, uh, verse number 15, but even to this day, Moses read, veiled upon their heart, talking about the nation of Israel as a nation. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. They shall all be saved as in a day, is what the Bible said. 
And they're talking about the nation moving on. Okay, verse 17. Now the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And look at verse number 18. And this really kicks off where I want to get to. And I want to try to get through this a little quicker. Uh, but this has just been stuck in my heart uh, just for a long time now. Uh, but we all with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changing the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Okay? So he comes down. And he deals with that glory uh, that was in the law. And because the law is good. Nothing wrong with the law. The problem is you and me. Right? That law was given a glimpse into the righteous character of God. Not the fullness of his righteousness, but it did give a picture of the righteousness of God. Because what you missed out on, uh, well, it's not. Okay, so we come down through there and we, we see uh, the, the glory that was in the law. And then we see how much more glorious should it not be the very image of the things. That's what the book of Hebrews is all about. Who was consecrated for us uh, a way into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus. So when you and I go to God, there's no veil between me and God. There is nothing between me and entering right into the very presence of Almighty God. Nothing. And uh, if any man sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. As even if y'all are saved. God won't kick you out, but expects you not to sin. At our churches anymore, we lay the expectation of failure out before people. That's not the expectation. The expectation, uh, expectation is for you and me to live holy. But uh, lays that out. Says, "Be a man sin, have an advocate of the Father, and we got you and I. Therefore, brethren, let us come boldly before the throne, as we have right to come before God. Unholy, unrighteous, filthy people, given the righteousness of God to enter right into the very presence of God. Right? Because that's where our anchor is." The forerunner, even Jesus, entered into the very presence of God for us. Now we can enter into the holiest of all through the blood of Jesus. And, and so when we look at this matter of a veil, Jesus is talking about here with Moses, and he ends it in verse number 18 here, was talking about the difference in what those people saw in Moses and what you and I see in Christ. So all they saw was a reflection of the glory of a shadow. That's how great God is. <laughs> Boy, we sell ourselves short sometimes, don't we? God's a big God. Hey, Brother Tony, he hung the stars on nothing. <laughs> Some people talk, well, okay, so uh, my filter's getting better, brother. If you'll notice, I'll, my filter's kicking in. And uh, so... <laughs> So he comes down to these, that, that verse, and he's talking about we all with open face. That means, meaning that we are without any veil across anybody's face. There's nothing keeping you and I back. When we turn through these books uh, of this Bible, 66 books, we see Jesus. Do you see Jesus when you read your Bible? I told our folks here, when you open your Bible, set out in your mind to look for Jesus in the Bible. You'll find him in all the prophets and all the give witness, every one of them. You'll find him on about every page. <laughs> Hallelujah. I was thinking about Melchizedek. You met Melchizedek in the way and by blood and wine. What do you think about when you read all them verses? I'm thinking about the body that was broken and the blood that was shed for us. I'm thinking about Jesus. 
And so, anyway, there's no veil between you and I. And when we can see Jesus, you and I, by faith, even much greater than visual sight, have laid our eyes on the very God of heaven in the person of Jesus. Do you believe that? And something much plainer, because the Bible said faith is the substance and the evidence of what's unseen. It's just as real and just as true as you put your eyeballs on it. (laughs) And uh, so he's talking about that veil and he said, uh, you know, Moses' face was veiled, but we all with open face, meaning that Christ doesn't have a veil on his face. When you you, uh, look at Christ, you can see Jesus. God, in the work of the Holy Ghost, will illuminate your mind to show you who you are and who Christ is, right? And so uh, now in our day, there is no veil. When I opened this book, I used to read the Bible, Brother Henderson. I used to read this book, and it's like reading a newspaper. Never did make no sense to me. You know what? When I read it now, (laughs) I can read them old verses. Joshua, I can read them verses over there. He talks about, I laid me down and slept, and I awake for the Lord did sustain me. And I thought, hallelujah, glory to God. God sustained me. He don't need me. (laughs) I just, man, the thing comes alive to you. Get in this book, it becomes alive to you. Oh, somebody's going to have to stop me when we get, I'm looking for a clock. Y'all ain't got one here. I'm I'm paid by the hour when I'm at. They put a clock on it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. And uh, so, uh, so he comes down through there and he talks, obviously he's talking about the face of Moses being veiled. Where else you see a veil in the Bible? Now I'm going somewhere, I'm, let me get through this as quick as I can. But we, we, can't, we cannot forget uh, how, how that Christ has removed the veil from your minds. Right? And so Moses is, was veiled and that you couldn't even look to the fact of what was just a shadow. How much more glorious the very image when you see Christ, how glorious was it for you? When you got saved, you remember when God saved you? You remember you got down on your knees and you cried out and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. <laughs> My focus was quite a bit on what I was, but man, as soon as God saved me, it was all about who he is. <laughs> I remembered very little about what I was, and I remember all about who he is. And, uh, and God removed that uh, veil uh, from across my mind and allowed me to see clearly. That's a work of the Spirit of God. But let, let's move on here. We also see it in the Old Testament tabernacle, right? You see the veil that was guarding them from the Shekinah glory of God. It kept them out from the presence of God where they could not look in there and see the glory of God, right? There was a veil. Cherubims woven into the veil, guarding the presence of God, keeping unholy people out of the presence of a holy God, Right? And so then Hebrews tells us now we're moving this veil away, which I wonder about some people if the veil's ever been removed. You know why? (laughs) Nothing in their life do they ever, ever, single time, if you ever see them evidence anything about any kind of love in their heart for Jesus. Oh, they, they might even dress right, might even be faithful to church, but all they care about is whether the carpets are clean, Church function is what they care about. Souls and Jesus matter very little. You know probably why that's, that's, that's wrong with you. It's because you've never seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus. If you ever do, you won't matter how many little youngins they get in here that might break a little toy in the nursery. 
Can I preach right there? Well, that bothered me. This is a youth meeting. Let me back. That ain't my place. So, uh, hey, you'll worry very little about all those little foolish things when you get your mind set upon Jesus. You, I'm telling you, all the things of this world grow strangely dim. You'll quit worrying so much about what sister so-and-so was wearing and posting on Facebook. And, and why don't you just worry about yourself uh, because you got enough problem between your shoulder blades and be worried about what she's doing. Amen? Is that okay, preacher? And so, and so, uh, uh, Moses, the veils moved away. In the tabernacle, the veils were moved away. That is to say, his flesh. Is that what the book said in Hebrews 10? That he's consecrated that new and living way which by that veil that he removed, which is his flesh. But hanging between you and the glory of God was the body of Jesus. And the first part of the chapter, he says, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. God prepared Jesus a body. And it says, by the which will we are saved. And what is sanctified? What will? Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. That's Jesus doing the will of God for you. Hallelujah. And so then it goes on to tell us, it goes on to tell us by the offering, by his offering, the blood and bulls of goats and the sacrifice and all those things that I had no pleasure in them. And I said, lo, I come in the volume of this book it is written to me. And it goes on down through there to the, uh, to the last part of the chapter and it, uh, to the middle part there. And it says, uh, uh, who he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. <laughs> we may not look it, but we're perfect forever. <laughs> There's coming the day we will be. Now, where are you going, preacher? I said all that to say this. So now, the book said, the, the verse said this. So we are, with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord. And that's why it irritates me when people reduce salvation to some kind of formula that you can write out that if you'll do this and you'll do that and A and B equals C, that God will do this and you can move these people. You can't put God in a formula. Raise your hand if you, you know, this old cheap gospel stuff that's got no repentance, no turning, no, no real faith in it. There's more faith in the repeating of a prayer. Repeating a prayer won't save you, friend. Faith in the person of Christ is what will save your soul. You can repeat all the prayers you want to repeat and it'll never save you. I repeated prayers until I was 25 years old and God the Holy Ghost pulled the veil back and the light of the glorious gospel of Christ shined in under my heart. And that's what a lot of young people need. They need their darkened mind that's just been full of demons and darkness and devils. They need God to pull the veil back and shine the glorious gospel in under them. Hallelujah. <laughs> And man, you'll never be the same. <laughs> Aren't you glad that the gospel's not as cheap as some people have made it? I don't want to get in trouble here, but I know it's a hot topic. But man, I'm telling you, when God saved me, my life changed. Does that bother you? When God saved me, Brother Jeremy, it was darkness to light. There was no denying what had happened in my life. Irrefutable evidence poured into my mortal body. The glory of God indwells your mortal body. Is that what the book said? Is the Holy Ghost any less God than the Father is? And so we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Now, we gotta go quick. 
Okay, so can I, can I ask you tonight? And so here, here's my point, here's my, here's my thought. Boy, wouldn't it be good to have a title? You could, you could give a good title. And I just don't faint. Is that a good title? Okay. All right. So he gets done with all of that. And he said, we all with open face, we behold the glory of the Lord. And the Bible said that we are changed into that same image from glory to glory. So whether you like it or not, God started a work in you and he's going to perform it to the day of Jesus. And he's going to conform you to an image, right? And that image is Christ. God's, God's so loved his son, wants every one of them to be just like him. So we're all going to be like Jesus. When we get to heaven, say, well, I don't like worshiping Jesus. Don't go to heaven. You sure ain't going to like it there. So, well, I'm comfortable where they worship Jesus. Don't go up there. Worthy is the lamb. And you know what they're saying? I don't like all that holiness, preacher. Holy, holy, holy. Well, I don't like holiness. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm like Mitchell said, you can't preach it any tighter than I like. You might preach it tighter than I can live, but you can't preach it tighter than I like. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, he gets through with all that, and he comes to that next verse. And I'm going to take just a minute. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, you know, therefore. So seeing all that has just been said, you and I are able by faith to lay hold of the person of God and enter into the holiest of all by his blood. You and I have the Holy Ghost of God closer to you than the oxygen you're inhaling into your lungs. There's more of me over there than there is here. And, uh, hallelujah. And uh, so, now he comes to this next verse saying, therefore, in light of all that's been said, in light of the glory of this ministration, in light of the glory of who Christ is, we beheld his glory. You know, the apostle whom Jesus loved, the disciple, excuse me, Jesus loved, said, we beheld his glory. And you and I know Jesus is glorious. He's the spirit's image of his person. You and I know that if we're saved and born again that I. And you young people, doesn't matter if you're young or old, if God saved you, there's one thing you know, Jesus is glorious. I may not be, and the preacher might not be, and this young preacher may not be at times. Your mom and daddy might not be very glorious at times, but I'm gonna tell you there's one that I've never seen a blemish on who is nothing but glorious, and that's Jesus Christ. Not find no fault in him at all. So he said, therefore, seeing that we have this ministry, we faint not. And I'll tell you just a couple of things and I'm gonna get to the scriptures here. I, 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 I wish you knew me a little better personally. I, I don't mean to come across in any way. It's just my personality. But I, I want you young people to know I love you young people. I love young people, brother. I do. And uh, I get along better with them than I do adults a lot of times. And, and uh, we're a lot on the same level. And uh, I don't know if that was a knock on y'all or me. <laughs> Just mark that off on things you shouldn't say from the pulpit, okay? And, uh, and uh, I want you to know something. I, 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 there's not a bone in my body 
that's trying to make people mean. I don't know where this spirit and then the fundamental, fundamental preaching came into. It's like a challenge to see who can be the meanest preacher in what yep. camp meeting. Yep. That makes me want to. Yep. You know what that is? I'm going to throw up. Yep. I don't like that. Could you imagine Jesus standing back and screaming at people, Get out of here, you idiot! And I couldn't see Jesus doing that. But that's another here and there. I don't mean that you young people, I want you to know something. There's nothing in me that wants to attack, that just wants to hurt people. I've been a part of it. I've seen it. I got it in my family. I, I, brother, I have seen people. Uh, you and I have mutual friends whose children have walked off on God. They may be some of you in here tonight that have left God and you're here somebody invited. I don't know the situation. But you want to know something I find often that some people, what happens to them. I want to tell you the first thing they do. They get very selfish. And so I, I, I want to say... Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we thank not. Seeing what Christ is, I can't quit. I cannot quit, people. I can't quit the ministry. All the glorious gospel, all that Christ is to my soul, I can't give up. But I'm going to tell you something. When you get your eyes on on other fundamental Baptists, you'll want to quit. They some people's got some good excuses. If I was them, I probably would have quit. I'm amazed that some folks still in church. You're just stubborn, I think. I don't know, the spiritual or stubborn one. They've been through some things. And they're still going on for God. If you get your eyes on people, you'll find a reason to walk off on God. If there's something in you that's attracted to the black lights and the modernism and the, and the big bands playing and rocking out to my co-pilot Jesus and all that stuff. There ain't nothing genuine in you know what. So I don't know how much of that. I can't salvage that. There's nothing there. Honestly, I, I, I'm sorry. And so uh, I, I want to say this to you and all, all, all the uh, gentleness that I'm able to muster up. I want to say something to young people. Don't quit and get your eyes on other people. I have had more young people say, well, I quit because the preacher said something made me mad. So-and-so in the youth group said something. I just can't wait to get out of here. You know, they overlook all the stuff they do, all their sins, but boy, they see, they see yours pretty good. I'm done with that. There ain't nothing to that. I'm done with all that old-time religion, all that old-time preaching. I'm done with all that because so-and-so did X, Y, and Z. What about the mess you've been in and caused? That gets easy to forget, don't it? And you might find your preacher do something wrong, make you mad if you're looking for a reason to quit. I probably don't give you one. If you'll give me 10 minutes, I'll give you some more. It's just my nature. I'm just offensive. I don't mean to be. I'm just natural. I'm just a gift. You're... So, just gifted. <laughs> Praise your God. You're praying for me back there, aren't you? And uh, no, I don't mean to be. It's just my personality. I, I don't mean to be offensive on purpose. But, but I, I'm going to say something. When, if you get your eyes off of Christ, you know what you need to do? You, what you need to do is have an eye that is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Because I can't promise you the person sitting on your pew is not going to quit God. I can't tell you that somebody's not going to have an affair and somebody's not going to cheat and somebody's not going to lie and somebody's not going to steal from the church. I can't tell you what the flesh is capable of anything. And you know what you'll find when you get down the road to that church you think is going to be a little better? You're going to find people that fail in there and they're going to mess up on God just like they do here. And I'm telling you, you'll never get any help trying to change location. Your location change will not fix you. 
So yeah, you can go down the road where a preacher won't preach it tight and he's not going to preach against what you're dressed, how you're dressing and living and talking, how you smell. I don't know how Christians are supposed to smell, but I assume pretty good. God likes a good smell. and uh, so, But they're not going to get preached on all that stuff. And here's their favorite saying with these liberals. It's all about Jesus. Well, if what you mean by that is I can't preach on sin, I don't agree with you. Because it would be nice if it was all about Jesus if you'd quit running around in filth. Is that all right? Young people, it's not all our fault. You look at the older folks. You want to look at the preacher did something wrong or the visiting preacher said something or the young preacher did this or another person. I mean, I'm telling you, folks, we're, the problem lies right between your shoulder blades. You're the problem. I'm the problem. What I need is God to fix my heart. Because there should be nothing that you could do. Charity never faileth. There should be nothing you could do to run me off. If I'm doing it for him. And so Paul said, he he was making a statement. We've got this ministry and we faint not. I'm not going to quit. You think Paul was disappointed in some things he saw in people? Sure he was. I'm more disappointed in what I have to wake up and look at in the mirror every morning. Now, don't laugh at that. That was spiritual and physical. You can laugh now. now it's so safe now. But, uh, hey, i got enough problems to worry about in myself than to be worried about quitting God because Timothy Henderson said something made me mad. And I'm not saying that you can't get hurt good night. Some of the meanest people sitting in a are sitting in a Baptist church are religious people that don't know Jesus. <laughs> and and, and you're, you've been in a church any amount of time and you'll faint and you'll quit. But can I tell you something? Say, well, it doesn't really matter if I'm not here. Can I tell you something that's a lot more important? This matter of this ministry is a lot more important of what people think about you. Some people just haven't quit because they're worried about their reputation. They don't care about Jesus. They just don't want the preacher to get up and say, say something about you quitting. We'll put it in Granny Low right there. Yeah, you don't know what Granny Low is. You know what Granny Low is, don't you? Thank you, son. Joshua. You probably know what Granny Low is. And, uh, but, 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 come on now. You get your eyes on people, and you get to looking at what I'm doing, what I'm saying. Hey, I'm not. I'm not will not be here in a year. You know that these preachers, these preachers that I looked up to, that I thought the world would never fall. They're not even preaching. They're divorced. They remarried a woman they were sleeping with. I'm telling you, things you thought would never happen. You look at all that, all of us could have a reason to quit tonight. But you know why young people are walking off on fundamentalism, a lot of them? It's not because we preach it tight and because we preach about you ought to dress modestly. I think anybody with a brain big enough to open up their eyes and think and walk knows they ought to cover themselves up. I don't really think it's that. I, I think most people even uh, even got some common sense about them know that that's the truth. I'm going to tell you what happens to most, most young people that walk off on God. They quit God because they're worried about everybody else and they're not concerned with the ministry and they certainly aren't concerned about the glory of Christ. Preachers' kids, they know how to act. They know what to say. They know how to go. They know how to conduct themselves. But in their hearts... There's never been a genuine work of the Spirit where God the Holy Ghost wrought a new miracle in their life. And so 
And, and even if they are saved and they get their eyes on people and somebody hurt their feelings and I didn't get to sing and I didn't get to be the one to get noticed and I did all this other petty stuff and there's people dying and going to hell and you're worried about who got to sing and who got to, who got to, who got to lead the group and who got to do this and these people yeah. going to hell and you know what we've done is fundamental. We have isolated ourselves and taken separation to isolation and we stay out of the world and huddle up in our little groups scared to death to take the gospel to a dying world. They're the ones that need it. Yeah. <laughs> we hide away preaching our camps and preaching our churches and most people haven't left their home for 10 minutes long enough to go down the road and tell some poor dead sinner about a Christ who's alive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fool yourself in thinking you're spiritual if you're not giving this gospel out. Yeah. See, when we have this ministry, folks, we can't quit. See, young people, if you quit, it's more important than just, well, it's gonna upset my daddy and it's gonna upset daddies. It killed me, Joshua, when my kids walk off on God. It's, it could happen, but it killed me. It killed me, some of our young people here tonight, it killed me to see any of these young people quit God. It killed me, crushed me. And so it might hurt you, Pastor. It might hurt your friends, but there's a whole lot more important to that. It's going it's to, what about the glory of Christ? And what about dead sinners? Do you have any concern at all for people that are dead in sin? We've got a ministry. If we faint, we've got the gospel. If we don't give it to them, they die lost without God. They're without hope and without God in the world. And you're worried about quitting God because the preacher said something that you thought he knew about you and he preached it on purpose. Even if he did, thank God you got a preacher that's got the guts to preach on what you're doing. <laughs> but that's no reason to quit God if you care about souls. But when you get your eyes on yourself and you quit worrying about the Savior, and you quit worrying about sinners, and you start looking at self, you are on the verge of quitting. Say, preacher, but you don't know what they did. I've heard some horror stories. I don't want to hear no more. I'm sick of listening to it. We got it. Jesus is coming, and people are dying and going to hell. All I can tell you to do is just suck it up and put your big boy britches on and just pray and ask God to help you and keep on going. Tired of mighty coddling and just betting people. And Oh, well, I understand. Listen, they hated Jesus. They're going to hate you. Grow up. Suck it up. Live for Jesus. The world's never going to accept you. They're never going to love you. They're never going to like you. Just, just, just jump in the fight and suffer reproaches with God's people instead of seeing uh, uh, Egypt uh, for just a season. Just suffer with God's people. <laughs> and, uh, well, we've left our text and Somebody didn't put the time up there. And I've seen people, I've seen young people walk off on God time and time again. And it's all because, you know, I heard one person say to me, preacher, they told me one time, they said, I've got PTSD from that kind of preaching. <laughs> How stupid. I thought, well, you need me to get you a safe space, sweetie. <laughs> Man, some of y'all are so soft. Grow up. Good night. You used to come rare back and preach. Man, I've, they, there's been people preach on things. I don't even know if there's anything wrong with it, but I shouted them all with it. Just, they preached, hey, hey, 10 years ago, you'd have never been able to wear that shirt and tie. It was white and black or red, and that's it. <laughs> 
No band ever done that. So, so listen. So, if we'll stop worrying so much about ourselves and so much worried about, you know, our own, you know, you know what the, 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 it's going to go and talk about. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. You remember? You remember he said that in Corinthians. We we're too alive. What's wrong with us? You know, some of you young people, you've just not learned. I'm not saying you're not everyone. Not saying, I don't know who's saved, who's law. I, 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 that wouldn't be good for me to be the judge of anyway. And uh, so I don't have any idea. Uh, but I can tell you this. If you're focused on just yourself and all you worry about is how you feel and your feelings and who's offended you, you are never going to make it serving God. And this Bible said, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now I can give you the outline uh, if you want me to, uh, but uh, I don't think that we've got time to do that uh, in dealing with this. Uh, we can't quit over His presence when we see His pity uh, and then when we look at our purpose. All that's in the first verse here. Uh, uh, that is our purpose for being left here is to reach others with this gospel. Did you know that? Are you even concerned about that? Your purpose as a Christian is to get this gospel out to the whole world. And when we get when we get off of that focus and we focus on anything else, we're going to be in trouble. I don't care young or old. Our purpose is to spread this gospel to a dying world. The time is nearer than we believe. Jesus is coming. Nothing's preventing him from coming. He's coming at any moment. And these people die and going to hell, Brother Pettacore, while I'm preaching, they're going to hell. They may be somebody in here lost without God, never have this glorious gospel shine in under them. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's a lot more important than you having your feelings hurt. Yes. Yes. I'm okay if you're going to be hurt. I'm just telling you right now, if you're saved and you're in a church and you're serving any capacity, if you're just showing up, you're going to be offended. You're going to be hurt. You just might as well accept it. And here's another fact the Bible gives. You're going to offend others. It's easy, it's easy how young people kind of forget that. They get out here and attack us and, you know, all, I, all that hard preaching. And they made me wear a dress down to the floor and they wouldn't let me go out. They wouldn't let me take half-naked pictures of myself, put them on Instagram. Then people are so mean. They mistreated me. They didn't love me. They didn't show me the love. They were just judgmental. Anybody ever heard that? I'm getting queasy thinking about it. And uh, they, they conveniently miss. Uh, all of the mess that they've been involved in. So can I say something to you tonight? Keep the focus. If you're saved and you're born again of God, can I just encourage you to keep your eyes on the glorious on the glorious Savior that birthed you into His kingdom? Get your eyes on them and quit worrying about every preacher that you disagree with. If you know everything about it and you can do it right, why don't you get up and show us how it's done? It ain't so easy. How much did you pray for him before you walked off and quit? How, how much did you help? How many visitations did you go on? Can I just bow with hell right there and preach this a minute? How many, how, many, so how many times did you pray for the pastor? How many times did you invite somebody to church? How many visitations did you go on? How many soul went did you go on? How many people did you call? How many people did you encourage? Nobody encouraged me. They didn't call me. They didn't. How many people are you encouraging? 
thing goes both ways, friend. You want to walk off on you want to walk off on the church? You better thank God. God put some people in the church that won't quit you. Hey, I've had it rough, and my family there. Some people thought I'd never get saved. Thank God for a savior in the heavens that never gave up on this old sinner. Aren't you glad God didn't quit you? Hey, I'm glad His church didn't quit me. Hey, God's church has been good to me. I've been hurt by this and that. We all have. But God's church has been good to me. I know what it's like to live out there in the world. I did it for 25 years. You know how many friends I got left out of that mess? None. Zero. You know how many friends I got that shouting praising the Lord tonight? Well, I don't know if they call me a friend, but they're my friends. <laughs> I come in here, don't know none of you, and just the songs of Zion and a strange land. We just sing and praise Jesus together, and I feel like I've known you for years. God's church has been good to me. He's put me in his family. Has God birthed you into his family? Then don't quit God's family. Don't quit God's church. There's nothing that would make it all right for you to quit God and the work of the ministry. There's no excuse for it. I understand it in the flesh. Young people, I understand it. You get cynical. You see people act one way at church. You see even mom and dad, parents, people in your family, other things. You see things at home, and you see all this stuff, and you think, man, there's nothing to it. I understand that. Get your eyes off of people. Yep. You'll never see a shadow of turning with him. Hey. You'll never see something different. Jesus will never be one way with you and another way another time. He's as faithful and true, and he cannot change. And I'm fully satisfied with him. I'm done preaching. But can I please encourage you? Don't walk off on God. Young people, don't quit God. Get your eyes off of men. Get your eyes off of people. And look back at this glorious gospel. And remember, there's sinners dying, going to hell. And if you quit, there's one last person to tell them about Jesus. See, you, I've said this before, and I'm done. Well, I've said that before, too. Hey. Can I say something terrible? But you have to be a full-blown five-pointer to believe Jesus to save a soul without preaching. You have to be a full-blown five-point John Calvin Calvinist to believe that God would save a sinner apart from you and me giving them the gospel. See, reconciliation was completed in Christ. And by Christ, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That work's done. But the ministry is still alive and well, and it's with me and you. And sinners can't get saved, said somebody, tell them about Jesus. So if you quit, and you can blame stuff on the preacher, and you might be right. You might find something on somebody. You might be right and feel totally justified. But now can I say something? You'll never be justified in the eyes of God to quit. And you'll never be justified when you have to face people that you could have told about the gospel and you quit because you got your feelings hurt. You better gird up the loins of your mind. I'm going to tell you young people right now, we are headed for hard, difficult, perverted, terrible times. And if you don't just, if you don't get grown up quick and you don't settle in your mind and purpose in your heart that you're going to go with God, I don't care what comes, let it come what may, let the world catch on fire, I'm going with Jesus, you will not make it. So, 
We see this ministry. We think now, I'll give you this next one, and I promise I'm done, but I, man, God's helped me with this. I, I, I've had to get this off of me because I've had this, this just God, just, just this, let me give you this. Let's read verse number two, 2 Corinthians 4. We have this ministry as we receive mercy. We think not. Man, can I, can I just mention again his pity? God's been merciful to you. So when you think about that person and you think, man, they've done this way, they've done that way, they upset me, they this, all that stuff you got going on and you're thinking, my mom and dad, you know, they act like a Christian at church and then they scream at me and they get here and they mistreat me. All that stuff that you may feel justified in. And I'm not for that. I'm not making excuses for that. That ain't good. But that ain't no reason to quit God. There's nothing wrong with the way. There's something wrong with the flesh. But the way is right. The book's right. And so, can I say something? As we've received mercy, has God been merciful to you? Amen. Don't you think it'd be good to be merciful to other people? Amen. That'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? God shed a lot of mercy on me and you when he saved us. Was you raised in a Christian home, brother? Who was raised? You were. That's almost as big a miracle as God pulling up a drug, a drug addict up out of the streets and saving him. It's somebody getting saved in a church. God was merciful to you to break in on your deception. Did you think you were saved at one time and then really got in? See? That's a, that's a powerful God right there to break in on religious deception. Ain't it? It, ain't, it ain't any less powerful than God converting a drug addict. God's been merciful to you. Been merciful to me. Been merciful to us. Shouldn't, wouldn't it be a good idea if me and you show mercy to other people? Right. You young people better get that in your head. Well, this, that, this, that, and the other thing. Why don't you just be merciful and just be glad God's not numbering your transgressions? Because if God started numbering yours, who could stand? You wouldn't be. Thank God he doesn't. I'll remember their iniquities against them no more. So now let me get this second part now. And I, I, I mean this, young people, I'm done. Will it make you feel better if I put these in here? That seems to make things feel better. I'll put these in here and I'll close it here in just one second. Read this next part. We're going to. I enjoy preaching, brother. Thank you for letting me preach. preach. Can I give you this second last thing and we'll, we'll go. And uh, boy, I preached the thing off of me. Look at verse 2. How long has that been going on? Somebody didn't tell me. I'll be ashamed of yourself. Where's your mercy? Look at verse number 2. I want to help you young people. Where's you young people? Some of you in the back too. Uh, can I help you with this? But we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So can I just say this? And I got to stop. You know why a lot of people will quit when they'll look at somebody else and say, well, they're a hypocrite. You'll, you'll quit a whole lot less likely over the hypocrite on the pew down there next to you than you will with your own ungenuineness. Your own hypocrisy will cause a whole lot more failures than the one on the pew down row from you. And you know why a lot of people, you know why a lot of young people, and they get, they get of age of being able to make a decision and, and, and legally are able, I'm not saying biblically, but legally they're able to go make some decisions and leave home or leave the church, whatever that they do. You know why a lot of people do that? Because they never were genuine to begin with. 
It wasn't all the people you're blaming. You're not genuine. Because if you had the love you accuse us of not having, you'd never leave. See, it's just like the Democrats do. They, they project on you what they're doing. Or let me not hurt anybody. Leftists, can I say leftists without offending anybody? get political. I, don't, I, don't mean, I just mean, what I'm saying is, these leftists, they master the art of, of them being guilty but then put projected on you. Can I say something to you? If you're not genuine and you're just a hypocrite, that's what's going on in your life and you don't even see it. This person made me mad. You're doing exactly what you say they're doing. You know, you know why a lot of them quit? Because they're walking in deceit and craftiness. We think they're real. Then somebody gets their cell phone and they're listening to rap music. What kind of business does Christians have listening to rap music? I wasn't that stupid when I was lost. Can I say that? I shouldn't say stupid maybe, but Brother Jones would be upset with me using that. I shouldn't say that. I wasn't that crazy when I was lost. Hey, Christians got no business listening to that field. And so they're, they're the ones operating in craftiness. They're the ones operating deceitfully. They're the ones pretending to be something, and they're not because they're blaming you for their hypocrisy. They justify their hypocrisy because you said something that hurt their feelings. So I'm just going to go live it up in the world. And so what they're doing is using you as an excuse to not be genuine. Are you, you're not mad, are you? Taylor's mad. We got one. I got to try to lighten the load. I'm close my Bible. I'm done. But can I say something? You know, you know what you need to do? Quit worrying about everybody else. Get your eyes on Jesus. Remember, there's a lost and dying world. Get, be, get busy in the gospel, and you won't have time to fool around with all the gospel. You know what happens? We start devouring, backbiting, and, and fighting. You know what all that happens? When we quit getting, we, we don't have a burden for the lost world anymore, and we quit getting the gospel out, we start eating each other up. Young or old. So can I exhort you young people? You don't need to walk off. You know what we need? We need some good, solid young people that aren't willing to walk off on God and quit the church. We need you to be the ones to help us to change it. I will agree with you to a degree that a world, that the, that the church, the fundamental church is the one I'm affiliated with and so the one I know or the one I care about and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. So the fundamental church, I'll agree with you to a degree they have done with holiness what we have done with charity what we claim the Southern Baptists did with holiness. Not a lot of love in a lot of fundamental churches you go to. But they smell right, talk right, act right, and they're as dead as the day is long. And mean as a rattlesnake. You remove all that the charity out of that separation, you're talking about a man being mean, son, they'll be mean. You gotta have love in there too, see. But the answer is not to quit. Hey, young people, the answer is not to walk off and go find you somewhere else to go where it's easier to serve at. Why don't you just buckle down where it's difficult and serve God and let's be a part of a change. And, and what you don't like in the church, why don't you make up the difference? Nobody's calling and checking on anybody. You got a phone, ain't you? Quit using it for Instagram, wasting your life away. And why don't you start checking on people? Blows my mind. Nobody's visited nobody. Well, get your poor little old two legs up and go visit somebody. Nobody's got any love. They're just so made. Well, why don't you shower us all with your great love? A love so wonderful and divine, it'll quit you at a drop of the hat. Thank the Lord for you.
You're deceived is what you are. You're not what you think you are. The devil's got your mind. I'm done preaching. Focus on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep busy in the work of reaching sinners. And you'll, you'll be all right and make it through to the end. Lord, we love you. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for the word. Take this scattered message here. Just to use it in the heart of some young person. Lord, it might be on the verge. Lord, if it was my child, I'd want somebody a praying and somebody to be compassionate and loving towards them. So, Lord, help us to be that way. We ought to be gentle to all men and meek and all those things. And I pray, God, you'd please. I know personally of some young people and their parents have no idea of what they are in the dark. And I'm just praying, Lord, you'd help them, Lord, please to renounce all those hidden things and all that dishonesty and craftiness and just bow their unworthy head and cry out to God for mercy before it's too late. We love you. In Jesus' name, preacher.